Welcome to Deadhead Space. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Ghana, and all other major platforms, which includes Alexa. All you have to do is say, Alexa, play Deadhead Space podcast, and you'll get the latest one every Monday and Thursday. I'm your host, Patrick R. McDonough, joined always by my co-host, Brennan LaFaro. Say hello, Brennan. Hello, everybody. Did you almost just butcher my name again? It's been like six months. They don't listen to the first episodes. And our guest host, Cassie Daly. Say hi, Cassie. Hello. We have a fun, bouncy, special guest. And in case anyone took that the wrong way, I mean that with love. (laughs) Nico Bell, she's a writer, reviewer, editor. And now, I believe now, it wasn't before, right? Now you're also a publisher. Yes, I am. I'm very excited. And I also got Brennan's name wrong, but I actually did it um, publicly when I announced the writers to my anthology. His last name is Astley. I think it was La Fargo or something like that. Is what I said. Or LaFoe, which I think Lafoe, is now official. Which so. sounds... Yeah. That's a cool villain name, honestly. <laughs> I'm just helping you out, man. I'm just helping yeah. you out. So now on, your name is Brennan LaFoe. So it's official. It was I'll take it. I'll take it. I could use a pen name. All right, so we like to get the show started with asking our guests how they got into horror. So why don't you tell us a little bit about how you, Nico, got into horror? Okay, I know you guys asked this question, and I was thinking about it, and (laughs) it all came down to two words. Sexy vampires. (laughs) (laughs) And I can really, I can trace my love of horror all the way back to Brad Pitt, an interview with the vampire, so I can just thank him and his lusciousness for getting me into horror. Because I was, like, terrified as a kid as everything under the sun. Like, everything. Like, I saw Terminator 2, and I stacked books on my air vent because I was afraid the Terminator would liquefy and come up into my room. Like, that's how terrified I was. But, like, Brad Pitt with that hair and just his, like, oh, woe is me, woe is me. Like, that was it. I was done. He so, is he is dreamy. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> he still got it, so it's it's all good. So, uh, yeah, that is my love of horror started in a very non-threatening way with um, being probably inappropriately obsessed with Brad Pitt as a vampire, as a young, impressionable young female. <laughs> and it really just spiraled out over there. <laughs> Has anybody else said sexy vampire as their lure into horror? Am I the first? I, I mean, you're the first that I've been on. Has, is she the first yeah. total? Yeah. I, I'm the first that admitted it. I bet if you go back, <laughs> there are like a bunch of people that would say it. <laughs> hmm. Who would you ask, Brennan, that we've talked to so far, if they started their love affair with horror through sexy vampires and or Brad Pitt? I can tell you who I would not ask is I would not ask uh, Laurel Hightower because I think she'd throw a book at me. <laughs> oh, no. I would ask uh, Alan Baxter. I don't know why, but I feel like that would deservedly get a karate chop in the neck. (laughs) And possibly a really interesting story. (laughs) (laughs) They're just so much fun and they're so not very threatening in the terms of like, like when I watched Halloween as a kid, Mm. that scared the shit out of me. Like a man (laughs) in a mask with a knife. Like, come on, that's freaky. Or like a rat in a phobia. Like I still cannot be around spiders. But like vampires, you're like, "Mm, I think I can handle it. And so from there, it was just 
anything I could get my hands on. And then, you know, the older I got and the more like desensitized I got. And really the more I started writing it and realizing that I could use it as like therapy for just sort of the darkness within my soul, you know, that (laughs) sort of really helped too. So yeah. Is that what you started writing first is vampire fiction? Uh, so I started actually in romance. Oh, and then, yeah, and then Christian romance, uh, and then horror. So obviously that's a natural progression from <laughs> happily ever after to God loves you to and now the devil is coming up and ripping out your soul. <laughs> so very linear. Um, but yeah, How old were you? I started writing when I was in third grade, and my first <laughs> I wrote a novel about a Native American girl who was adopted by English family and did not know she was adopted and then found a bunch of artifacts in her attic that signified that she was adopted. And that was the very first story I wrote. That's an interesting first. Wow. Yeah. I would read that. Yeah. For a third grader. That's, that's pretty like, wow. Yeah. That's a big world view for a third grade. Yeah, no shit. Oh, I just, you know, whatever. It's just something <laughs> I did in my spare for, time. For <laughs> audio listeners, she just flipped her hair as if she was just uh, not a snobby writer. We love that energy. <laughs> I told you, I have a lot of energy tonight. You guys are going to get it, whether you want it or not. I love, <laughs> I, I love Native American lore and history, and I, I don't think that we see enough of the actual side through native american eyes um i'm not saying it has to be written by a native american but in a respectful way and it sounds like you have a really third grade jesus christ i can't believe (laughs) i'm sorry but that's impressive what i did i got the one of the oldest pieces i got is from the second grade where ufos and space saucers come down the kids like i'm gonna go to the punching bag store or not a punching bag store sorry there's like a no, I'm sorry, not a punching sorry. bag. It's like it's like a punching glove on a spring. And he's like, I'm oh. going to get that. Buys it, uses it to punch a UFO in the sky, and, and he wins. That's, that's cool. Yeah, that's well, awesome. that's what a child would write. Not, And that's not what you, that's not <laughs> what you, you wrote. Have you seen a store that was exclusively to sell those items? <laughs> See, little Pat's a fucking idiot. Nico, <laughs> she's just, that's so creative and just, I'm... I'm just flabbergasted at the the world difference of little Pat and little Nico. Like you are so much smarter. I'd be like, you know what? Though? It comes it comes down to suspension of disbelief. And if you can suspend your disbelief enough to uh, entertain the idea of an alien invasion, then why not a punching glove store? Um, if, if that's your biggest, if that's the biggest thing that you have trouble buying in that. Um, I'll, I'll do you one better because the first story I remember of her writing around that third grade range um, was also an alien invasion. But the twist at the end was that the whole thing had sprung because this, this particular civilization was out of ketchup and oh. they were looking to replenish their supply and head back and finish their picnic. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, <laughs> it was <laughs> I love that so much. Like that yeah. that's amazing. I was gonna say somehow that sounds even worse out loud than it did in my head. Um no. fantastic. <laughs> Were you out of ketchup in real life as a child at the time? And where that sprung from. So <laughs> Brennan just admitted on air this is exclusive. He has therapy through writing as a young age, uh of a third grade as well. How about you, Cassie? What, what what was your first that you remember? I was in fourth grade, so you guys started a little bit earlier than me. Oh wait. Um, Wait, you told us this before. I did. 
Yep. So I wrote a story that was, um, I thought of the amazing title that I was very proud of and it was called the best friend feud fight. Oh. And I was fighting with my best friend at the time. And I wrote a story about two little girls and one of them kills the other. And I showed it to her. And she was so upset that she got really mad at me. And she said, that's a stupid game. Feud and fight are the same word anyway. And she told me it was dumb. And then she told the teacher. And I got in trouble for writing a story about a little girl killing another little girl. Uh, yeah. I'm kind of surprised they didn't, like, put you in therapy or have, like, a really big discussion with, like, your parents or something. Now, were there any repercussions from that? No, no, really. They were just like, uh, I mean, I think I actually did have to talk to my teacher, though. And it was more like, uh, where did you get this? And I watched a lot of Freddy Krueger. And so I told them that I was like, I, I, one of the death, like her death was from Freddy Krueger. Like there was a claw that came out and like killed her while she was driving. So, I mean, it wasn't just out of nowhere. I wasn't like a little baby psycho or anything. <laughs> <laughs> this is the genre to encourage that. Um <laughs> Nico, would you like to dive into the first step of the three-step process of your writing genre phase? That sounded weird. I should just say, hey, you want to talk about romance writing first, then Christian writing? Yeah. (laughs) I was going to say, do I have a three-phase process? I don't think I do. Okay. (laughs) See, look, I started out sounding like a smart, and then it's like, hey, Nico, I got a question. (laughs) (laughs) It's all planned out, all part of the plan. (laughs) You sound kind of like Yogi Bear. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, number one, my first phase (laughs) was romance, which I started in college. I had a really bad college experience and uh romance was like my escape from that and um I just got I loved it so much like I read trashy romance like (laughs) I mean I guess it doesn't surprise you guys when like Brad Pitt is my like go-to but um yeah and I loved it and I was like and I always wanted to be a writer so I was like you know what I think I can I think I can do this so I wrote horrible horrible romance novels uh, and then later in life, uh, I sort of got into Christian romance, and I wanted to be a progressive liberal Christian. I wanted to write stories with gay characters who um, found love and acceptance, and I wanted to write about women who had abortions and found love and acceptance and how the church loves them and everything. As you can probably imagine, <laughs> did not sell. I was told by many agents <laughs> that this was not going to happen. Uh, and I was actually okay. Like, I was prepared to go and, like, of liberal Christianity. Um, but my characters kept dying in very gruesome ways. And I think it became very obvious that I'm not a happily ever after person. And I think, like, one of my critique partners was just like, you just have to stop. Like, this is getting ridiculous. <laughs> um, and then I just kind of embraced, like, like that just dark aura around you, <laughs> like around horror writers, you know, I just kind of embraced like all of that. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to dive headfirst into what I really love, uh, which was horror and just see where that goes. So that was it. Step three. I think that you should explore. That's a, that's an interesting way how you get to horror. I think you should try Amish romance. Cause I've noticed when I went to Lancaster PA, that shit's everywhere. I did not oh know. God. I did not know that existed until I went to Lancaster for the first time. Oh, I've read Amish romances. They're very sweet. Like, romances have, you know, formulas. 
to like how things should be, which is what I had a problem following with like, you know, everybody getting married and happy at the end. But like <laughs> romance is like a six billion dollar industry. I mean, it's like horror. Like there's a lot in it. Um, and everybody kind of is like, oh, it's genre fiction. You know, they kind of look like, oh, put their nose up in the air for genre fiction. But I love genre fiction. I still love to read romance occasionally. Um, and yeah, so so that's it. I remember, and I haven't talked about this before because there was never really, it didn't correlate or relate to anything, but it does with this. Um, I remember my one of my oldest friends growing up, we would always be in his parents' room just playing different games. And uh, his mom had a massive paperback collection, all romance. Is this going to get and, weird? No, it's not going to get weird. <laughs> I did not step in the room and see the mom or dot, dot, no. Uh, yeah. that, that's really the whole story. It's really not even worth bringing up at this point because I thought there was an ending. But I was just so curious as, like, a little boy, like, what it kind of looks like naughty covers, but I'm not going to read it. So for your experience, when you say trashy romance, what would you say is the difference between trashy romance and, and like, good storytelling in the romance genre um sex lots (laughs) and lots and lots of sex (laughs) i mean in romance there's levels and obviously in christian you're going to leave it off page but in i mean erotic obviously you can really get into it so you know it's just fun whatever it's just you know another form of a form of literature if you will Um, and yeah, they actually have erotic horror. I don't know if you guys have ever read any of it. That's not really my subgenre that I like, but I mean, there's a lot of that out there too. So, you know, if you want to check that out, I'm sure that would be fun. <laughs> make fun of me for those because I have a whole collection of what he calls my vampire sex books. <laughs> and they are, they're, they're, I love them and they're so good. And they are about a girl who is like a vampire executioner, hunter, whatever. And then the other ones are like about like this lady who's like part like fairy or something. And like there's so much sex like and it's it's all kinds. It's not just vampires, but then there are like were people and then they're like there. Look, there there's a lot of sex with a lot of different people. And then they've got like abilities that make them have more sex. It's wild. Wow, that sounds interesting. And let me just say from someone who has written it, it is it is hard, wink wink, to write (laughs) to write romance (laughs) sex scenes. It's actually very difficult. And when you write and you like submit, they come back and they're like, You need more description, you need more description. So it actually is really kind of tricky. Like how many ways can you say like it was throbbing or whatever, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So it actually is pretty challenging. The way you describe this, for some reason, what pops in my head is that Twitter profile where it's like men writing bad women. Yes. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Yes. Those men, I swear, have never seen a vagina in their lives. It's just <laughs> redonkulous. It's awful. <laughs> I know I can curse. Can I say vagina? Is that, <laughs> is that allowed? Yeah, but you can't say pussy. Okay, so we Wait, have a fine line. No, it's not true. Oh, God, you can't do that. We are so gullible. You know this. You keep. We've talked about this. Sorry. Uh, yeah, you can really say anything except for, like, you know, obvious racist shit. You just don't be, a, like, a bad person. Yeah, don't be a bad person. That's a good life quote. That's a good life motto. Try to live by it. So actually, that that kind of brings me into an actual question and not just like a spirally conversation about uh, sex vampires. Um, 
So you describe yourself as a feminist horror author, and that seems like a, a really good place to go after bringing up men uh, who write women badly. So as well, first of all, can you kind of describe to us, you know, what you what you mean by that, I guess, label, if you yeah. want to call it a label? Yeah, I should really make that like a feminist in training. I don't know if I'd ever really like hit feminist level. Like there's always something you can learn about it. But I just want to write women represented fairly equally, but also have them be villains and have them be really strong protagonists and have all female casts. I mean, there's so many books out there that are all men or there's just one token female and nobody bats an eye. And then you see somebody write a book that's all female and like that becomes the big takeaway. And let's get beyond that. Like it's okay, you know, to have a book that's all female or, you know, with a female villain and just to kind of explore that. So I want to represent women. I want to write about things that are important to women. Um, I just want to give like a platform to feminism through horror. And hopefully, I, I don't know if I've really hit it. I don't know if I've like found my voice yet in that. But I hope to one day achieve that. When people like read a Nico Bell book, they're like, we know we're going to get some sort of feminism in here. That's the ultimate goal. Hmm. And I think you're in the right genre for it because there's just so many like wonderful, strong women writing in this and, and, and just basically showing us how it's done. Um, and, and I think uh, Food Fright is just like a, a really fantastic example of that. It just it has that excellent female cast um and it, it does such a great job of kind of differentiating the roles in it um of you you know you introduce this big cast and everybody has their part to play everybody is individualized and uh, you don't miss you know you don't need a, a teenage boy thrown in there or anything like that you you're, you're not missing it at all and obviously, I would ask if that was a conscious decision, but I'm sure it absolutely was. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Yes, it was a conscious decision. That is actually something I think, like, do I have to have this character be a man? And if I don't, then I'm not going to make him a man. You know, like, um, there's a – so I was really inspired by um, Jordan Peele, and he had an interview, and they asked, like, why are you going to have, like, more white characters? And he said something like, no, I've seen that movie. Like the idea, like, no, I've already seen movies full of white characters. And that really stuck with me. And I was and at the time I was writing a book that had plenty of men in it. And I was like, why am I doing this? I'm doing this for no other reason than the fact that every book I read has a lot of men in it. And they don't need to be men. There's no need for it. So why not put them as women and, and give them female qualities and characteristics and then let them be badass females, you know? So that's uh, that's what I'm playing at these days. <laughs> And I think the thing that immediately came to my mind was that whole notion um, that's come about recently of uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's comments on, you know, when will there be enough women on the Supreme Court? And it's like when it's nine. And the immediate response to that is that is a you know, that's a crazy notion. But but why? Because there have been plenty of, you know, full courts that are, are, are just men. So why is it? Why is it a wild notion that it could be all women? And why would that be a bad thing? We've certainly, uh, not to go political on us guys, sorry, but uh, <laughs> we've certainly seen that that you know misnomer about how uh, uh, women are too emotional to be president. Well, that's 
bullshit and right out the fucking window, isn't it? <laughs> hey, I just got to jump in real quick. We're not a political um, podcast, so please don't say fuck Trump because fuck Trump and also fuck Trump. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Nico. <laughs> Seriously, yeah, Brennan, I mean, don't yeah. say fuck Trump. Sorry, don't Nico, go. Trump. God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there you go. That's it. Ruth, Ruth's quote there. I, I love that quote that, you know, and, and why not? Why we're not? Women bring something different. Everybody brings a different point of view to the table. And I think it's time that we have another big surge of feminism and let people say what they want to say and, and let women have their voice, not just women, non-binary, whoever, like, let's let this table open up to everybody. Let's just squeeze more chairs on and let everybody have a chance. There's room for all of us. I don't understand why we can't all join the table at the top. There's there's room <laughs> for all of us people. Okay, um, so I'm going to Oh, sorry, oh go no. ahead, Cassie. Did you no, have more ahead. serious stuff cuz I wasn't I was going to go into a less serious direction. Uh, yeah, if you if you don't mind me squeezing one more thing no, in before squeeze you it. Uh, squeeze it in. We're talking Alex, about hard. Sorry. Wait, wait. Fuck yeah. Okay. Referencing Nico's <laughs> earlier comments. Yeah, okay. This is this is why we have video so we can see jokes. Um so I, I would say, you know, this just seems like the perfect time to be making that move towards that all inclusive fiction that, you know, you certainly seem a proprietor of and a big proponent of. Um just with the amount of children I work with on a weekly basis and, you know, just seeing my own at eight and ten, it's they're just so much more open than, you know, you might expect to be on the surface level. Um, you know, when we had to have those tough conversations about race uh, starting back in like May and June, uh, the empathy demonstrated and the understanding of, you know, treating everyone equal and the lack of understanding on why there would be anything different. Um, and then even moving towards you know um both my boys are are homeschooled and my wife put together a unit on uh ruth bader ginsburg after she passed last week uh they did lessons on that all, all, all the last week and it it's only kind of striking me as i'm speaking but there was no wow a woman can do that they just kind of they accept it at face value they don't see any reason why that's not possible why why the world would cater itself to be in such a way that only one type of person could kind of go that far and make that kind of a difference. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my semi serious feel. Um, and Cassie, if you would like to take us in a different direction, please feel free. Can I actually add to that? Uh, Absolutely. As, as a new dad, like I was saying, cause I just thought you, you saying that shit just made me think of something that I was saying to myself. And I think you earlier, I would love my boy. He's only 10 months old. Like whatever he likes to do or is or whatever, it's fine. But I would really hope he's ends up writing a little bit and loves horror. Like that's my hopes. If he doesn't like it, all right, it's going to suck. But, and then I thought, uh, as Brian was just saying, I'm like, I think that not only do I want him to like it cause I like it. I think I want him to do that because being when the deeper you go into the horror community, most people are awesome. There's so many diverse people. You get different opinions. It's not just like before I joined this, I was and no offense to you being still in Massachusetts, <laughs> but Brennan, but uh, no, I was in a small town. 
I didn't. I wasn't like a part of any online community, and it's just all Irish, Italians, Portuguese for the most part of uh, where I lived. And I got kind of one kind of view, and uh, that's all I had. But joining this the horror community, I hear different voices. I'm reading a lot of different stories. I'm I'm expanding my mind, so I'm becoming more loving, empathetic, and I think generally a good person. So I think as a dad, that's why I want to like it because that's. I feel like he'll be a better person for it, which then, in effect, like us talking, someone else will hear this or maybe more, and they're like, hmm, didn't think of it like that. Hopefully, that's the goal, you know? That's why we do this, to spread love, empathy, and connection. So, that's all I got to say on the serious stuff. I like the serious stuff. I I, I just <laughs> I didn't want to seem vapid by comparison, is really, because I'm about to talk about food, so that's really... <laughs> really why i just wanted some sort of segue um because brennan actually brought up food fright which i read before this and i'm uh, our episode because i like to have things like really fresh in my brain so i started this on my kindle and then i ordered it when i knew that i was going to be doing this on um like a physical copy so i could get it um so i need to talk to you about all this food because i was i got hungry like four (laughs) times when i was reading this and it was so strange for me to be hungry and then immediately read about like really gory bits and gross stuff so i want to hear from you uh, what inspired you to write something so gross, but also so delicious? And tell us about like, do you like cooking? Do you like baking? Like, I think I read an interview actually on Frank Girl Summer over recently, like over the last couple of months where you were talking about this book. And I think you did say you liked baking. So please just tell me about the food because it was so delicious, that croissant. <laughs> yes. Everybody loves the croissant. I love that people love the croissant. In my mind, his name is Francois, by the way. Uh, mm-hmm. but <laughs> Is it Francois Lafargo? that's it that's his name from now on that's it yeah so when they always tell you to write what you know well I know food (laughs) I love to bake actually it's the one thing that really I, I was connected to with family was food you know I come from an Italian family we eat a lot all the time that's our love language and baking was the one thing kind of that me and my mom really had in common and I something I brought into adulthood and I do with my kid and I started home bakeries and I have done that for a while. And so I know bakeries, I know food, I know desserts. And so I really wanted to incorporate that into the uh, horror elements of this. And then it was just a matter of like turning off that inner editor and being like, we're just going to really go for this. (laughs) And there was like a point I remember when I was writing kind of a spoiler, the brownie monster. And I just I was typing and I was thinking, am I seriously going to write a girl eating her way out? of a brownie monster? Like, is that really going to be something I put in a book? And I was like, fuck yeah, I'm definitely going to do it. <laughs> and I just, I just loved it so, so much. I just loved like turning off that editor and being like, let's just have fun. Let's just see what type of foods we can put into this story and just really go for it and make it in my mind, like a B horror movie, like a movie that's so bad you love. And that's what I was going for. Just something so over the top and silly and ridiculous and campy, which is what Eddie asked for and he got and all of it. It's so amazing. I love the whole series. Um, And so that's really where it came from. It was inspired from Eddie from putting out that submission call and then just having a whole lot of fun with it. I think you nailed it because the rest of the books that I've read in this series are like exactly like you said, like B movie, like 
horror things and they've been they would be so much fun to watch and this would be i was thinking that the entire time i was reading it, i was like god i wish i could watch this girl eat her way out of the brownie man <laughs> like that would be so cool like so many of these things i can picture like so clearly and i loved it it was so good and gross Aw, and thanks. delicious what are um what are some of your favorite things to bake i love to bake cakes and um, really, I love to bake cakes. <laughs> uh, I got really into it, you know, because of all the cake shows on TV and stuff. So I really got into that and to decorating. But when I had a bakery, I had at first I had an allergy friendly bakery. So no gluten, dairy, eggs, things like that. And then I had a home bakery that was just donuts um, made out of potatoes, potato donuts. What? And that was so fun. <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Can we talk about that real quick? What is that? They might be – they might just be something from this kind of region. Well, I used to live in Virginia, and where I went to college, there was a bakery that had spud nuts. So they're made out of potatoes, and they're donuts. And they were really good. And all that means is it's just really soft and chewy and more like a cake donut than a yeast donut. And so when I moved and started a new bakery here, I was like, I'm going to play on this a little bit. And they were gourmet. So they had, you know, Oreos on top or popcorn or bacon or whatever. Oh, and God. They- <laughs> I know. I'm like drooling. There's like saliva dripping down my face. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to do. I had to stop. It was so much work, but it was a lot of fun while I had in it. Yeah. Jeez Louise. I'm sorry, I'm stunned into silence from just thinking about these spud nuts. I'd never, my mind is blown. I didn't expect that from this. Speaking yeah. of Massachusetts, <laughs> you should uh, open a shop there. I mean, fucking Irish Central. And he said potato donuts and people were American, so we're fat asses too. <laughs> I love donuts. Really it really does fun. seem like there's a market there for it. <laughs> Come to um, California, there's a market here. Me, I am the market. Yeah. <laughs> Before we talk more about food fright, I just wanted to talk, go back to one more thing about, um, and it's funny, it's silly, about men writing horror. I mean, men writing women. <laughs> men writing horror. Uh, so, have I, any of you heard of the podcast, which was turned into a, comedi- a comedian um, HBO special? It's called My Dad Wrote a Porno. Yes, I love it. <laughs> I've listened to all of it. It's ridiculous. <laughs> So just super – so the cliff notes, the, the the pseudonym for the author is Rocky Flintstone, <laughs> and it's uh, – the basic premise is that uh, it's a British podcast hosted by a group of people. Each episode features this guy, Morton, reading a new chapter of an amateur erotic novel titled – Belinda Blinked. Yes, Belinda! Written by. Basically, it's just like everything that men write women uh, talks about seeing her cervix, for example. It's just, he. I mean, he had a kid. Uh, Not just seeing the cervix, but like bruising the cervix. As (laughs) if, like, that is a thing. I don't even know. And then he's like, the breasts of the women, he describes them as pomegranates. And like their nipples as like knobs. And I just like, I don't I don't know what anatomically is wrong with the women he has seen. But yes, he is hilarious. Everybody should go and listen to that podcast and see their HBO specials. It's so fun. He, the dad's serious about this, right? Yes. Like Because <laughs> it's so bad that you're like, is he pulling like super dry humor? Because like, I can't tell now. No. Uh, <laughs> 
I can't tell with people that are so stupid or are so insanely bad at something that you're like, I think they're fucking with me. Um, do you guys want to jump back into food fright? Because I just had to talk about that before I forgot. Yes, actually, I want to talk about that opening chapter because oh. I, 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 yeah, I because I, I think probably the three of us all had that same experience reading through that first chapter and being like, oh my god. <laughs> um, speaking, of, you know. It's not quite as uh, it's not over the top in the same way as escaping from inside of a brownie monster. <laughs> but uh, that wow, like that was something. And I remember getting to the end of that and be like, I need to see where this goes next. I, You know, if, if that's how we lead here, um, I, I need to see what else we've got in store. And I, I, I saw an interview with you where you said that you had to. um Google, you had to spend some time researching what exactly happens when you put a person in an oven. So how was that? Fun. <laughs> Educational. <laughs> you know, what's really funny is that I so I wrote the book and I started getting reviews and some people started putting trigger warnings on their reviews and saying excessive gore. And I was talking to a friend of mine and I was like, you know, I really I don't I don't really know where the gore is coming from. Like, I mean, it's just food and monsters and stuff. And she was like, Dico. You started the book with a teenager getting burned alive in a fucking oven. And I was like, oh, okay. All right, I got it. Gore. Got it. Like, I'm so desensitized to it. But yeah, that was, that was, that was crazy. And researching it was, I mean, look, we're horror writers. It's, it's, it's interesting. It's educational. It's something I'd never want to, like, look at in any other context other than trying to write a story. But uh, yeah, you know, you got to grab attention. I didn't even realize, like, that it wasn't in the same vein of comedy until I started getting reviews. Like, I don't know if I should admit that, but like in my mind, it's just like a natural progression. Like it had to happen for the next thing to happen. So no, I, yeah. I text Brendan when I wrote it. I'm like, that's fucking funny. Did you read that? <laughs> no, in reality, no. I text Brendan and I said, what the fuck? I was going to say, I thought, I didn't know you were joking at first. I'm like, I don't remember that. <laughs> I had a response there. He was drunk and he was like, yeah, man, that was hilarious. <laughs> no, that wasn't funny. Seriously, the first chapter was fucking intense. And Sorry. No, that was, that, no, no, no. That's everything, like me and Brennan talk about Rewind or Die a lot because we talk to a lot of authors that are on it. I've read four. He's, I think he's caught up. I'm not sure how many Cassie's uh, read, but it, they all have a certain formula. It's like it has to resemble, obviously, movies that were in the 80s and 90s, um, horror movies. When there's gore, like, like it's insanely over the top. And there's got to be some silly premise where yeah. you're like, you got to suspend your disbelief and have fun with it. Yeah. I mean, I hope definitely people would like read past it and get to the point where we have food coming to life and it's just silly, ridiculous. And it's just a form of escapism for like an hour. So just, you know, keep going, <laughs> keep reading. I really didn't realize that it was that gory until I started getting reviews. And then it, was, it just like dawned on me like, oh, like, of course, this is like intense. Like, what was I thinking? But, you know, <laughs> hindsight, right? <laughs> oh, my goodness. I did a terrible thing. Know, right? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Cassie, what was your take on the first chapter before we go to the rest of the book? So I actually, I think, so wasn't that, you read that for the, um, what was the thing that we watched where you were dressed like a hot dog? 
Yes. I forget the, I'm really bad at names of things. She was dressed like a hot dog. It was for the um, Halloween in summer. Is that what it was called? Yeah. yeah. With yes. E. Castor, she yes. had all these right yeah, yeah, reading. It was all amazing. Books. Yeah. And there have been two two different meetings of it, I think, uh, there were. And I've gone to both of them. And the first one was the one that Nico was in. And so she actually read, I think it was this chapter, right? Because when I was reading this, again, I was like, wait a minute. I think I know what's going to happen here. I was like, oh, no, this is what's going to happen here. And it was like, <laughs> it was so good because I had like this extra layer of having heard her read it at the same time as also reading it for myself. So I, I, I got like extra out of it. Sorry to you both who didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I really loved it. Yeah, I was like, oh, like, I don't know. I did not expect I thought it would be slower in the beginning. Like, I just expect that from books in general. Like, it's going to lead into the big stuff. And I was like, whoa, no, it did no, not. We're just, just starting at like a 10 and we're just going to yes. take off from there. And we don't, we don't it. need it. It stayed at 10 through the whole thing. Like, it, there are like little bitty dips where it's a little bit calmer, but there's but, like the stakes are still high and there's still terror and there's still scary things happening. So it doesn't really let you go. Like, you don't really have a a sense of like, oh, this chapter is going to be a good one. Like it's calm. Everything's safe here. Like, no, there's a fucking brownie yes. now. Watch out. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, that's good. I'm glad. I'm glad you guys found some enjoyment in it. I hope people find some. It's just a fun over the top B horror movie type vibe. And, you know, if you can just escape this crazy world for like an hour, then good. That's it. That's all I want. <laughs> are we uh, are we OK to say the horror trope that's in it? Or is that something that we should avoid? You can go ahead. Knock yourself out. <laughs> what do you guys I think? think? That's, I, I think that's on the back cover, isn't it? If if we're thinking about the same one. Sure. Go. I mean, whatever. You know what? Go, go, go ahead and say it. case scenario, we go cut it because it. you spoil the entire thing for potential readers. So the way that you added witches into this was really interesting. Yeah, that was a fun twist that I didn't even realize was coming. So I think we all went on that journey together. <laughs> it was- uh, it's not posted yet, but the, the review that I wrote, I, I'm paraphrasing, but I said something to the effect of you kept all the stuff out that we are, we've already heard a million times. So you just jump to the good stuff, which is how good writing, in my opinion, should be. And, and it just works. Sorry, I muted my mic. <laughs> Well, that's good. I'm glad. I'm glad you guys had fun with it. And we're learning so much about your uh, writing process tonight, too, just from talking about this book. <laughs> about yeah. what you can say. Yeah, exactly. What What's kind of over the top, closer to fantasy versus, you know, uh, you know, burning somebody alive? Um, you know, what's fun and what's not? What's what's uh, planned ahead and what uh, what is pantsed? All that good yes. stuff. Yes. <laughs> Yes, for sure. It's a process. It's fun. I wouldn't want to do anything else. I love it. Cassie, you want to uh, ask any more questions about Food Fright? Yeah. So um, actually, I wanted to know, uh, are there any, because you mentioned a couple times that you loved, you know, Rewind or Die for the fact that it's kind of like a B-horror movie. What are some of your favorite B-horror movies that you've watched or just oh really campy sort of things that you love? Oh, all right, guys. <laughs> <settle in. laughs> Um, I love Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Yes. <laughs> I love all like Tremors, Gremlins. Oh my gosh, Leprechaun in Outer Space blew my brain apart into a gazillion pieces. So much fun. Um, I actually used to have a podcast with a friend of mine where we watched B movies and then talked about them. And it was so, like, it was just too much for him and too much for me at one point we had to stop but it was it was great we watched all like those 80s movies that were so great and uh yeah but i think 
the Leprechaun movies are probably <laughs> my top as favorites. They're just so bonkers and out of this world. So anything in space, like I'm there for. I don't Jason care. X. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, why not? Like we don't know what else to do with our characters. Just throw them up into space, and we'll just figure it out. So scarier that way. <laughs> no, I mean it's so much fun. Or like underwater. I love any movies like oh, that's Shark. A good movie. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and uh, people trapped under there, like, that's always a lot of fun, too. And then, of course, in the cold. I love cold, cold horror. Obviously, I love cold horror, so anything like that, so, yep. I think the space one is kind of a, a, a given, like, it's, even if it's bad, it's bound to be interesting, because like you said, if a franchise is sending its char- character to space, they've run out of all other ideas, and Obviously, that means the character has no business being in space. So, you know, a, a, a mythological uh, I- Irish goblin thing, um, a a serial, a supernatural serial killer that terrorizes a camp. Like, if you're sending those ones to space, then you've got to do, you've got to react to the fact that they're going to uh, act differently once once they get there. They're going to get up to different things because of just the fact that. They're not supposed to be there. But it's so much fun watching them try to figure it all out. (laughs) Exactly. So speaking of cold, uh, let's talk about Shiver, a cold weather horror anthology. Tell us all about it. Where where did it come from? Where did the idea come from? Yeah. uh, So forth. So I love cold horror. I love horror set in Antarctica and the Arctic and like the thing and things like that. And I wanted to um, read more of it and I couldn't really find exactly what I was looking for. So I kind of put out on Twitter, like if I did this, if I published an anthology, would anybody be interested? And I got lots of positive feedback. So I was like, all right, well, let's let's give this a try. And I put out the submission and now Shiver is going to be published January 11th. With the Brennan LaFargo as <laughs> one of the 30 amazing <laughs> authors who will be contributing to it. Um, and it is, oh my gosh, guys, I'm so excited to put this in the world. It has seriously a little of something for everyone. It has like Native American folklore and Japanese folklore and people on icy lakes and cabins in the woods. And it has amazing queer horror and so many different representations of villains and monsters and creatures. So it is just a like a love note to cold horror. And I think people are going to really find it unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I'm going to applaud it. real quick. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's on the back of the book. That's on the cover. So you guys can. Good. Yeah. I was going to ask. I was going to say that that needs to be on the cover somewhere. That's perfect. Yeah. It's definitely on the back of the book. But it, it is so much fun. It's 30 authors. A lot of them are first time authors and you won't even realize it because the like the quality of stories and characters and writing was just it blew me away. Um it was just amazing. So I'm really excited to put it out there and and to have everybody experience it. And hopefully everybody will like it. Yeah, I was when Brennan told me he got accepted, I was really proud of him because I've read almost everything he's done, at least to my knowledge. He's a fucking good writer, as is Cassie, as is you. So, I mean, I, it sounds like I'm just like kissing ass, but I mean, there's a lot Go of on. There's a lot of good writers. I like this kind of conversation. Cassie's on par with Laurel and Tone. What I've read from you is just food fright. 
It's true. What I've read from you, Nico's uh, Food Fright, and I think it's funny as hell. It hit every note that I wanted for that series. That's cool that you haven't read my other short stories. Whatever. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I'm totally kidding. We'll we'll talk about that later. Um, (laughs) It's like, note down the time so we can cut this off. (laughs) Patrick, would you like me to take over so you can go do that? (laughs) Brenda, why don't you take over and let Cassie take over for you so we can do it together. Patrick is turning off his video. Um. <laughs> oh my God, did he really? <laughs> I think I broke your podcast, guys. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Come back. Oh, you're good. You're good. So I will. I actually did. I read one of your other short stories was the one for Fright Girl Summer. And I read that actually before our meeting here because Brennan mentioned it in a text earlier. And I thought I had read it. But what I had read, what I thought he was talking about was your body positivity article. So I read that previously. Um, which was amazing. And then obviously it's not fiction, but it's it's still writing like it's still it's a good essay. Um, and then I read the other one and I'm, I'm again, I'm bad with names. So I'm going to tell you that I don't remember the name of it, but I did read it. It was his his women, his girls. His women. I believe so. Yes, his women. I think that's the one that I gave to V to do. Uh, yeah, that was fun. That was based off of a reading that I read. Actually, I'm in school right now. I'm in graduate school and I read something very similar um, about it's a feminist horror piece of a man who basically collects women for his own delight. And so that's kind of what I was doing. I was trying to write a, another version of a man who collects women for his own pleasures. Uh, and then, you know, that man getting his ass handed to him. So <laughs> yeah, I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was so grateful that V like, she got me out of a rejection slump. <laughs> She was like, just, you know, submit whatever and we'll see if it works or whatever. And so she really she was I love V so much. So and I love her website. Um, And now it's going to be fall on their website. So new authors and new people to check out. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah, we all love we all love V. She's amazing. And it's pretty neat that you and Cassie are both in uh, the summer version. And I also did see. Nico, that you um, were in a romance writer contest, and it looked like you did pretty pretty damn good in it. Thank you, sir. Yes. What, what was Back that like? <laughs> Back in the day, actually, I did. I got um, a, I was a semifinalist in the ACFW Genesis contest, which is actually, and not to like pat myself on the shoulders, but like I did. It's it's big deal in the romance Had world. Away. Um, and then I got third. That's my nickname. In the- <laughs> <laughs> I got third in the music in the Romance Writers of America, um, their Tennessee branch uh, for for a uh, progressive liberal thing. But it, you only do your first chapter, so I don't think they realized what was going to happen later in the story. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was exciting, you know. <laughs> That's awesome. Third place is great. Yeah, it was really fun. I like getting the feedback. You know, when you submit to contests, you usually get feedback from industry big people, you know, like publishers and agents and editors. And so that's why I enjoy doing it. I like to see what they have to say to me. I didn't know that was a thing. Note to self, I should submit to some contests. <laughs> yeah, but they also cost some money sometimes. So it's a little bit of like, ah, do you really mm. want to pay? Do you really want to not pay? I don't know. It's like a whole gatekeeper thing with me. I don't know. Everything should be free. That's my theory. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I don't think things should be only for people who can afford it. Yeah. Guys, that's so. socialism. Oh, I'm so sorry. We keep getting political. We're sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. It, it's actually been me both times. I'm, I'm the Cassie. Ready? what did I say? You can't Trump. say fuck Trump. <laughs> I can't say fuck Trump? Don't say fuck Trump. That's what I won't say fuck Trump. Okay, good boy. <laughs> there is something on your website that I really did 
enjoy. I liked you got a directory of feminine feminist horror writers. I think that's helpful for anyone that actually, you know, wants to check it out and isn't aware of a lot of them because there's there's a lot of names that I'm not familiar with. Oh, yeah. How, how long did it take you to put that together? It's an ongoing thing. If anybody wants to be on it, just find me, NicoBellFiction.com, and contact me, and I'll just check you out and put you on. It doesn't matter what gender you are, as long as you define yourself as a feminist horror writer. So whatever that means to you, you know, everybody has a bit of a different definition. And then it's just a nice directory for people who maybe are trying to get into that genre and read something a little bit different. So I actually had a guy um, who was really angry about that list. Uh, (laughs) Somebody who I met through school who kind of, he was very anti-feminist and he was like, if you only define yourself as a feminist, you're really just going to miss out on everything in literature. And I'm just like, oh boy, oh boy. (laughs) (laughs) But (laughs) if you want to see a feminine list, I do have one going ongoing. And I think it's helpful because, you know, we're not, it's not, it's hard to tell where we are in the world sometimes. (laughs) So a directory might maybe be nice. Yeah, Makes me see. wonder if that's the type of guy who would uh, describe breasts as pomegranates in his <laughs> own in his own fiction. I feel like that's probably it. Yeah, doorknob. Obviously, <laughs> yeah. the topic is correct. <laughs> um, yeah, you definitely don't want to handle doorknobs the same as women's nipples. I think I don't know. Go on, Patrick. I want to hear yeah, more. On. Uh, now I mean, we enter the educational portion of the podcast. Uh, well, from my understanding, some women like it and some don't, and uh, I don't know. That's all I gotta say. Some are like, yeah, treat it like a doorknob, like a bag of sand, or... <laughs> a bag of sand, or we're getting into some weird stuff. He's just grasping at random words. I don't even know what the fuck I'm saying. I'm either gonna piss people off, or they gotta shut this episode off. So, <laughs> Brian, why don't you take over? <laughs> no, I kinda, I kinda like watching you tread water, if I'm honest. <laughs> I'm gonna shut my, uh, video off again. Actually, actually, I, I want to. Um, we we really uh, steered away from Shiver very quickly, and oh yeah, um, let's, I, let's go back to Shiver. I I wanted to comment real quickly. You said you know there's a lot of first time authors on there, and you would never know the difference. And I I, I would just throw out there um, that Nico has been a really fantastic editor to work with, and I think that that's definitely gonna play a part in that. Um, very very easy to work with. Uh, very receptive to ideas. It's not just this is, you know, this is what you should do. It's it's more of a let's talk about this vibe and just very wonderful to uh, communicate with. And, and now I'm talking about you rather than to you. But it's, you know, I, I don't have a lot of experiences to compare it with, but it's been a positive one. Okay, um, and I would fine. imagine that, that most of the other people, if not all of them, would probably say something similar. I hope so. I mean, I was trying because I, you know, I've been on the rejection side of things for a long time. And this is sort of the first time I've really had a chance to be an editor with so many people. And I didn't want to destroy anybody's spirits, (laughs) break anybody's dreams, as I've had done to myself many times. And I understand, you know, writers have a vision for their work and that we have to work together. Um, You know, I did. There were some writers that 
you know, didn't have a lot of edits. And there were some that I was like, okay, I love this. Let's see if we can make more and make it work. And some were like, this isn't for me. Like the direction you want to take it is not for me. And they decided to walk away and that's totally fine. And some were like, let's work together. And that works too. Um, so I hope everybody had a positive experience overall. I would love to do this again sometime, maybe make it an annual thing. So hopefully more people will submit and the people who are in it will resubmit. Um, yeah, so so hopefully everybody enjoyed the process. I, I think everybody's gonna really enjoy reading it. Like I honestly I just cannot wait for you guys to read these stories. They're so good. They really blew me away. And, and I'm excited to see all of the rest of them as well. Um so if you were gonna do it annually, would it would it always be cold weather or would it be different themes that you could find a pun to work around? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I have a kid, he's twelve. And he told me that I should do a urine-based one and call it urine trouble. So <laughs> I feel like <laughs> this might be just where we end up someday. But no, I, I think that it would be actually fun to leave it up to the Twitter universe every year. I mean, that's how this one got. I, I wanted to do cold and I asked. And I, I put up some other ideas too, like feminist horror or creature features or whatever. And everybody just really loved the cold theme. And so maybe next year do another poll and then see what everybody wants to do, you know, and give writers a chance to be published. I mean, that's what I really wanted to do. It was so hard to reject people because I know what that's like, especially when you're a first time writer. And I really want to say nobody had a bad story. Truly, nobody had a bad story. It really was like we just have way too many Frozen Lake stories, way too many Cabin in the Woods stories, and I just couldn't have that many in one anthology mm. or, or things like that. Or somebody just did like 5,000 words instead of 4,000. So, I mean, that's really what it was. Um, and hopefully those people submit other places. Um, but yeah, so next year it would be kind of fun to put it back into the universe and, and then help more people, you know, get the word out and get their stories out. What has your um, experience been like since this is your first time publishing and editing? Like, how has that been different for you from submitting and from your previous experiences as a writer? I really love editing. I would like to I'm graduating grad school in May and I would love to become an editor and that be my job as well as writing and being published. That's dream, you know, but like <laughs> to get like a living, <laughs> I think it'd be fun to be an editor. Um, publishing, I'm very nervous about. I'm going to be very honest. I've never done it. I'm going to do it through Amazon. I'm going to do it step by step. I might be cursing the entire way through. There might be some <laughs> broken glasses and stuff around me. Um, but at the end of the day, hopefully it will all go smoothly. So we're just going to have to wait and see how that goes. But I have a lot of friends who have done it before, and they're going to be my support system whether they like it or not. So there <laughs> we go. Are you I'm gonna, excited. Are you going to have paperbacks as well? Yeah, definitely. Sweet. I, you I'm haven't – sorry. I, I was just going to say I'm asking because I'm going to have it uh, – I'm definitely buying one and putting it on my shelf. Nice. That's all. That's it. Nice. Yep. You haven't um, announced – you're making the announcements later this month, was it? Or have you announced yet? The people I have, have announced the table of contents and everything. And then the cover art will be announced very soon because I okay. just got it in. And I'm so excited. I love it so <laughs> much. <laughs> That's one thing I'm terrible at is art. So I was so excited to find somebody that was going to work with me and my budget and everything and make it happen. So, yeah, it's going to be good. I that's can't wait fan. to see it. That's fantastic. Are you going to end up doing that urine th uh, theme book next year? <laughs> uh, who knows? Wouldn't that be great to do like a young adult one and open it to like anyone under 17 and then they can just write urine monsters or whatever they want to do. <laughs> just you, go should, for it. you should do one about poop. 
Oh my gosh, wouldn't that be great? <laughs> really devolved. Pat's got a good story about poop that he could use, is what he's saying. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I submitted it to Max uh, Max oh, Booth and. Yeah, uh, Ken McKinley asked me what the fuck's wrong with me when I submitted it to Midnight in the Pentagram. I'm sure, like, he's a friend of ours in the show. I don't know if he'll think it's funny that I'm mentioning this, but he often, uh, in a group chat with me, Brennan and him, likes to, um, I mean, Brennan liked to make fun of me about it. And Cassie's the main character. She read it, I got her approval because she thought it was funny. As did her boyfriend. So I'm going to be go. clear. There's a character that has colorful hair named Cassie, who is a <laughs> character. Me myself. It is very funny though. It's very out there, and I had a lot of fun reading it. So Ken McKinley asked, "What the fuck's wrong with me?" And if I led pain as a kid, I'm sure Max will say something similar. So if that doesn't work out, let's talk. I have to say, man, I love that you've gotten to the point with that story where you're now trying to commission an anthology just so you have a place to put it. <laughs> and if you want to share it with the world so much. His it's dedication called, is It's unreal. called Evil Little Shit. So, I mean, oh just put that out there. <laughs> no, and you know what? I think it's as ridiculous as her food fright. You know, just my unbiased it's opinion. Ridiculous in a good way, but it's, like it's very out there. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds great, man. You should do it. You should start your own anthology. Just anything that comes out of your body, that's the theme. And then just work around it. Uh, that that's a get... great way to say no. <laughs> that is. That is. Oh, that's such a good idea. You know what? You should have it. You should do it. <laughs> so diplomatic. I love it. I'm going to use that. That's like when anybody like, finds out you're a writer and they're like, you know, I've got a great story for you. And then you always go like, that's great. You should write it. I had a yeah, I had a um just in case he listens. I'm not making fun of him. Doubt he listens to the show, but this guy I met one time at my sister's wedding suggested he had a neat idea for a story, but he's like, Hey, you know, I wanna write a screenplay and hit hit up Netflix and I think that, you know, what if you write it because you liked it? And I'm like, you know what? No. But I said it in a nice way because I'm thinking like, so you came up with the idea and you want me to do all the work. On top of that, I don't write screenplays at this point in time because I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Uh, no, it's not that easy. You know, there's a oh, lot of work. Yeah. And Netflix, like, they, they wouldn't even spit on me. They're not even going to look at me. <laughs> <laughs> no offense, but yeah, you're probably right. I mean, it's just, <laughs> yeah, kind of a long shot. Yeah, I get my family. I, my dad comes to me all the time. Hey, I got a great idea for the story. Like, he'll text me and call me and I'm like, just write it. Just sit down and write your story and leave me alone. <laughs> it's pretty wild um, when people find out that you are a writer. Because you get stories like, hey, my friend wrote a book once or he thought about it. Oh, cool. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Everyone's a writer. Or they think it's really easy. That's the other thing. It's like, oh, I'll write a book, too. Like, oh, because you could just sit down and write it one day. Yep, that's how it works. <laughs> and then most of those people, if you crit like give constructive criticism, it's like you kick their mom in the, in the you know, in the butt or something. In the what? <laughs> right in the cervix. If you kick, if you, if you kicked her right in the doorknob. Oh my god. <laughs> so, um, I'm really not sure where we segue to and from that point of kicking your mom in the 
nipples, so who wants to take over? Oh my gosh. Who's so capable of taking over at this point? I don't know. Actually, I- I'm kind of curious. You know, obviously, if you put it into your poll, you know, uh, cold weather horror is of interest to you. What are what are your some of your favorites, whether they be books or movies? Of cold weather? Yeah. I really, I mean, I really like the thing. That was sort of the inspiration for it. And actually, if I'm being like completely honest, <laughs> I was a bit disappointed. I did not get, I got one story set in Antarctica, one story set in the Arctic, and that was it. Like, I thought I was going to get tons, and that was it. So I was a little bummed about that. Um, but uh, yeah, that was probably my favorite. And then uh, there's some books. Oh, William Meikle did Infested, which is a really quick read, creature feature read. That was a lot of fun, too. I love that. Um, yeah, I would say those are probably my top two. There's, like, one with, like, Kate Beckinsale, <laughs> where I think it's called Whiteout, and they're down there, and it's, like, the six months of winter, and that was a fun movie. And there's actually a book very similar to it. I think it's called Arctic Chill or something like that, and they're down there during the six months where there's darkness and nobody can get to them, and there's, like, this creature, um, and that's fun. And I'm actually writing a Arctic horror that's going to be submitted to the adventure horror theme that oh. every writer under the sun is writing for right now. It's yeah. probably the most competitive submission for off-limit press, I believe. Yep. Um, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Is everybody writing for it? Are we all doing it? Are we all like going to be fighting each other for a spot? Uh, I am not. Is running go, Cassie? No, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm a baby writer, y'all. I only just started like this year, so I'm I'm not ready for something so <laughs> cool yet. But I've I've been submitting to anthologies, so I have two anthologies that my stories are going to be in that are coming out this year, and then yeah. we'll see what next year brings. But maybe I might. I'm thinking about the unnerving one, which just because I love the Rewinder Die book so much, and that would be so yeah. cool to do. Yeah, and yeah, Eddie's super great, cool. Yeah. He's so nice. Yeah, he's so, so great. He was so nice. It was so fantastic to work with with editing, and you had only have to pitch to it. You don't have to have the full story. So it's you know it doesn't hurt you to pitch. It's fair. It's fair. Yeah. It's giving me the confidence. Well, there's no reason, Cassie. I can't see your <laughs> face. Your video is not here, but I'm pointing to you, Cassie. No reason. I'm, I'm gonna get a webcam. I'll get one. Pat keeps telling me he's like, you need a webcam. You got to be on video for these. And I'm like, I'm sorry, Pat. Please. <laughs> Uh, you, you know what though, Nico's got a point. You did just kind of announce that you were thinking about it. Um, and we're recording, and there's no way in hell we're gonna cut that. Uh, so you're committed now. <laughs> I heard that she is doing it. That's what I heard. Yeah. I heard. I guess I have I to. I am now. doing it. Yep. Yeah. You're pressure. Full, full disclosure: if you asked really nice, we would cut it. But no, no, you're good. Okay. You're good. 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 Committed. I got. I need somebody to hold me accountable, right? Yeah. That's the best way to do hey, it. We, we got gotcha. you. Met with silence. It's fine, guys. No problem. <laughs> Pat, I've forgotten. Are, are you writing for uh, that Off Limits anthology, or is Nico the uh, clear-cut winner here? Well, I had an idea, and actually, because um, I talked to Sam uh, every now and then, I threw my idea at her, and she's like, yeah, that could work. And then I didn't write it, because I can't... I got a good idea. It's not going anywhere. And I got other submissions that I'm working on, so I'm like, I got... I don't think this story is going to work, even though the idea sounds neat. So I'm not going to waste her time <laughs> with a bad story. So, yeah, There's always next time. Yeah. <laughs> I want to work with Sam. I, I have been a big fan of her uh, her in general uh, since True Crime came out, which was only this year. Was is that weird? This year? It's True crime. been a long year. Oh, my True- God. Has it? What's been going on? I True, crime- online. <laughs> <laughs> True Crime came out in uh, January of 2020. That was oh so gosh. good. 
Brenny got an arc about a month or two before that, I think. Brag. Yeah, I got it like in December. So son of a bitch. Yeah, no, right. no, no big deal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was a, that that book blew me away. I I was you know enamored with the cover and everything, and then you know you get into it, you're like, oh my goodness, this absolutely stands up to what the cover promised me. Um, definitely one of the best books that's come out this year. And something that I read in that that was in that story, and this doesn't really ruin it, that I never personally read in a book before was the main character, female, kept talking about how she wished she could cut her breasts off. I'm like, that's interesting. Like, that's because we were talking earlier about, like, you know, basically different points of views. And I'm, I'm just thinking, like, hmm, I wonder if there's more to that story. We don't really explore that. But I didn't know if that meant, like, she's always felt like, you know, she's a. I don't know what the right term is. She's always felt like she's a, a man or like she just doesn't like her breasts or I didn't know what that meant. I'm done with this stuff. So I just wanted to know more about that. That wasn't the point of the whole true crime story, but I thought that was interesting. I never read that stuff before. I think for just for as my perspective from that one, I think it was about to um, just being like an object of something that could be sexualized. And those, uh, you know, having breasts is something that can be sexualized by other people. And that was like a theme in the book, too. So. Maybe the character might have felt too. Not to try to investigate another book or anything like that, but that could be just for your personal knowledge as another interpretation. That could be something. That's how I took it. <laughs> yeah, Cassie, I'd agree with you. I, I kind of saw that as like a response to uh, a continued pattern of abuse. Wow. Yeah, Brennan, jump in after she makes a smart uh, So opinion. it sounds like two people really got it. One person didn't. Poor Pat. We love you, Pat. Yeah, that's all right. I'll stick, I'll stick to my uh, punching bags. <laughs> you know, I hear there's these stores that sell just the gloves. They don't sell anything else. Just gloves. A whole store you could call it just gloves. <laughs> that's, you know what? There's a pizzeria that was across, uh, well, adjacent to my home called Just Pizza. And you go in, it's like literally the bare minimum of decorations. Like there's like, because we're in Philadelphia Eagles country, there's like a Philadelphia Eagles signed helmet uh, and a picture of their quarterback. That was it. And it's like you don't have a menu. There's just like paper menus. There's no like menu behind the counter. It's just pizza. Uh, There's no fries. There's the sodas like just in the fridge and it's all 20 out like the single ones and it's, it's like a very normal place it, it, it no way it's bare minimum <laughs> of everything sorry you know what i'm used to shit where you get lots of options you get fries or oh, it's so fancy and posh i know i've never been to a pizza place that gives you fries hang on wait, really wait wait really no sorry really. man i sound like a dick then we get like salad <laughs> there's a salad with or breadsticks you yeah, pizza is kind of a weird choice to go with. With I French mean, fries, fries, right? That's so carby. Yeah. I mean, I guess uh, with the breadsticks too, but I mean, I would eat it, but I, I just, I've never been offered it. Nobody's given me the option. I would say yes if they did. Yeah. Brennan, help me out here. You're from the uh, same place. Exactly. And I'm thinking that you're thinking of Papa Gino's. Is that true? Who, you're me? not thinking of No, he's yeah. talking about just pizza. Oh, just no. Pizza. See, when, when he says, you know, uh, that it's a staple to have a place that sells french fries with pizza there's a chain uh i I, it's through new england i don't know if it i don't know how far south it extends past that but it's not very um, good (laughs) spend all this time talking about pizza places not very good get out of here 
Papa Gino's is excellent. I used to work at one, man. Fuck that place. I hope don't tell me stories about it. I still eat there sometimes. You now, yeah, no way. Exactly. in your future. The deal was in the books, man, and you just blew it. You blew it. But to be fair, if it's if it's just if it's just pizza, they shouldn't offer drinks. Like to, or or they should put the drinks on the sign. There's no sign. There's only a, a, a football helmet or something, some sort of sports equipment on the wall for some reason in a pizza place. Wait, are you in P- Pennsylvania? I'm in New Jersey, right near Lake oh. City. I was going to oh. say, because when I was in Pennsylvania, I had a salad with French fries on it. And I was wondering if that's just like a state thing and they're just throwing fries on everything. Not, I'm not against that. I would so love that. that. I'm just wondering. What kind of dressing do they put with a French fry salad? Oh, you can get any dressing you want, and it's just fries on top. So, like, get your ranch, get your French, and then, you know, just indulge in French fry salad. So, my, my story is not weird, but, I mean, weird, but, like, French fry salad's uh, not weird to anyone. <laughs> yeah, that's basically what we're saying. I don't I was desensitized I, with <laughs> French fry pizza. <laughs> that's true. Nico, everything flies over. Everything flies over my head. You got to be like, look, here's the joke. And then I'll be like, oh, ha, ha, ha. That's how he laughs every time. Every time. We've been doing a lot of picking on you tonight. And I, for one, am not going to continue it for at least the next three minutes. Let's talk about. It feels like you guys are like siblings. So, (laughs) and then I just like to pick on people in general. That's just who I am. I feel like we should just get that into the open. Um, So, you like to burn people in ovens. (laughs) It's not even a big deal. It's not even her whole day. (laughs) That's how she starts. That shit happens before 9 (laughs) a.m. She's like, what do you mean a horrific death? What? That was breakfast. Yeah, it was like gory. gory. It's her Wheaties. (laughs) Cool. Now we've gotten into cannibalism. That's great. So I want to talk about the movie Frozen just to see if you guys watched that when it came out. I like Frozen too. I didn't know there was a sequel. What? It's, it's way better than the first one. Go watch nice. it. The songs are just, ooh, they're so beautiful. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, I can understand the confusion. Holy shit. I just realized that there's a Frozen horror movie. No, I meant the Frozen horror movie where the kids get stuck on the ski lift and then let's, one. Let's talk oh. about the princess one instead. <laughs> oh, wait, I definitely thought we were talking about the princess one. I totally I forgot that one existed for a moment. Ooh, this looks good. Frozen. Oh, man, I'm going to have to watch this. Look yeah, so, this. so this it, there's like three dudes or two dudes that get stuck on a ski lift. The resort closes down for that Friday. For some reason, they check the ski lift and uh eventually gray wolves come up and uh yeah bad stuff happens that looks really good i'm looking at some of the stills there i love movies like that i love movies where there's one singular setting and it's all character driven anything like that i am down for i try to write stuff like that and it really doesn't work very well for me i don't think i have like the skill level yet to pull that off but that's that's what i love character driven yeah and you know what's crazy the horror Frozen came out three years before the animated Frozen. So I'm just curious, like, did they not give a fuck? And they're like, well, it doesn't matter. They're, you know, this is going to work. Because I, I didn't even remember that the animation existed. I was talking about the horror Frozen. They, they, they said, said we're Disney and we can do whatever we want. They can. That's fair. <laughs> they, they own so many things like PBS, ESPN, and... Marvel and Star Wars, like they can do anything. It's true, including not caring about a uh, small budget horror movie. 
So, Nico, we're curious. What are you working on now? I am working on a horror novella about a reclusive young woman named Alex who has to use the skills she learned from her abusive past to outwit a murderess. That is what I'm working on right now. It's going to be kind of body horror this time around, but there's definitely going to be some fun to it. Right now, the working title is Not Today, Motherfuckers. (laughs) And so it's definitely going to have some craziness to it. Um, But I'm trying to get that done. I'm trying to get that done for like early spring next year so that I can submit over the summer. That sounds like something that Grindhouse Press would release. That title, anyways. <laughs> I would love that. Come to me, Grindhouse. <laughs> See, yeah, CV, CV Hunt is pretty awesome. I haven't talked to her a whole lot, but she's just pretty a downright awesome person. Um, she's got a funny sense of humor. I don't know if she's like funny in general. I just mean based off of the the titles. Like, come on, cocksucker. And there's a what, like a chicken on the cover. That's funny to me. I don't know if she's trying to be funny. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Cuff's like, I'm easy to please. Put a chicken on the cover with the word cock. <laughs> don't even need the word cock. Just a chicken on the cover. That's... <laughs> Nico, let's reschedule. I think I should delete this whole episode because you sound like a fucking idiot. You're doing great. Aw, thanks. I feel better. Pat on my back. I love that you're talking about other podcast guests, though. And how awesome they are. That's just really hitting a home run for me as oh, a podcast guest. CV C- so Hunt hasn't been a guest yet. That's a good oh. idea. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm making a note. If we get her on, we're going to spend at least 30 minutes talking about Nico, okay? Yes, please, please do. <laughs> also, a complete no name in horror. Please do. <laughs> Give a little plug and be like, hey, go talk to her about this. <laughs> so, um, as far as your novella in progress, um, I'm I'm going to go out on a limb and assume that we can't expect any brownie monsters in this one. No, there will be monsters, but not brownie monsters. There will be another uh, fun one, but I cannot say. I won't ask. No, Don't um, dare, Brandon <laughs> Lafargo. Don't. Now, now, I, now I would like to ask. Um, no, no, it's forbidden. It's okay, going to be fun though. Fair. It's another fun one. Um, just yeah, just something to escape from the world for a little bit. That's my goal these days is just to write things to escape from the world. <laughs> now, that's interesting. Now, I, I, I read an interview and I don't know if you were talking about this book or a different one, but you said what you had in progress right now was you would describe as grief horror. Is that the same one? Oh, no, that's a different one. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, write, I do write a lot about grief, though, and death and family connections. I mean, that's just sort of something that is. Uh, just naturally flows from me. So, uh, no, this one is more about survival and finding inner strength um, in the face of hardships, I would say. Yeah. Hmm. I'm glad to hear that because I I got a little concerned that I might have mixed up something when you talked about how it was going to be fun. But (laughs) but it's grief horror. By definition, grief horror is not fun. Not usually. No. Not usually. I, I, I suppose there's a first time for everything. Um, and if somebody was grieving uh, in the guise of a giant brownie monster, that would objectively be fun. Um, but I, I don't think that's where you're going with it. Yeah, probably not this time around. We'll see what the future holds. <laughs> On the cover, what kind of is that the mo- the very last monster of uh, uh, Food Fright? Uh, that is not, well, from my point of view, it's not any monster, to be honest. I think it's a pumpkin is what Eddie put on it. 
I mean, he did all the covers. He did a great job with it. I think it's just a just a random image. Oh, I thought the croissant, but I thought he had jalapeno eyes. And then when when he just had burnt little eyes, I was like, oh, the jalapenos are burnt. <laughs> oh well, hey, that works too. I mean, I did you want to interpret? Really thought, yeah. However, you want to bookmark too. You got the bookmark from Carly. Yeah. I got the That's bookmark. Cute. I was so excited. She did a fantastic job. The croissant monster is now alive as a bookmark from A Stranger Dream that you can go and buy it. It is so cool. I love it. Is it called Francois? Yeah, well, that's in my name. I mean, oh. you guys can name him whatever you want. It would be wrong because his name is Francois. <laughs> but that is, yes, that's what his name is. I'm going to name him Fuck Brennan. <laughs> there you go. Because Ooh. fuck you, Brennan. You've been a dick all night. <laughs> <laughs> I love how I've been just as rude, but I get excluded from that. And I'm I'm golden. I'm like the angel child over here. Like, hey, hey, hey not fuck me. <laughs> I feel like if I can't see you, so. Yeah, <laughs> That's no, fair. <laughs> I feel like if I say that to you, you might think I'm being serious and I'd feel like a dick. I'll just start. You'll just start hearing sniffling on the other end. You're like, Aww. oh, crap. <laughs> She, you know, she's got a really good point. I, I know you don't mean it, and there is nothing you can say to drive me away. So That sounds like a challenge. All right, I'm going to put two minutes on the clock. I love Brennan. All right, give me, give me your best. That's not your best. <laughs> Game over. I lose. Okay, cool. Challenge up. Um, Nico, when we were talking about kind of your, your finding your way from romance all the way to horror, there there was one thing I read that I found really interesting that you um kind of hit a point, and if I'm if I'm off base here, please correct me, but you kinda hit a point where you realized uh in your writing that you could kind of do what you wanted, you know, you didn't have to follow a formula. And you, you mentioned that uh, Chuck Palahniuk was a was a big inspiration for kind of pushing through that hurdle. I wonder if you could talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I really love Chuck and his work. He has a new book out. And I'm asked for the only thing I asked for my birthday was this book. You have it. I'm so jealous. Yes, uh, mine will yeah. be here next week. <laughs> Brent, wait, wait. You should ask where Brennan heard of it first. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Um, yeah, but I, I read an article uh, that he had said that he used to be in critique groups, and he talks about this a lot, actually, and he was asked to leave one because his horror was so horrific and that it was just all gross. Like, his writing is gross, you know? Um, and I just really admired that he really stuck to his guns in that, and he didn't, like, mold it to be more marketable or whatever. Like, he knew who he was as a writer, and he stuck to it. And that is something that I really wanted to be able to do, and that's just a piece of advice that I've been taking with me um, ever since I kind of left romance is just – Try to find the things you want to write and stick to them, regardless of whether they're marketable or not, like write for yourself and the stories you want to tell and the stories you want to read. Um, and so that's what I've been hopefully doing. Um, and I love Chuck and he has a book out on writing and it's so much fun. It's like a little antidotes plus that. And so everybody should go get it. I'm going to plug him. Everybody should go get Chuck <laughs> Palahniuk's book on writing because it's really good and I love it. Yeah. He's got a great uh, – this is hard. Just had him on a couple weeks ago. Um, he was very interested in that. And he had a lot of neat stuff to say about near future technology, writing. Uh, he's very helpful with new writers too, which is amazing. Yeah. He's somebody um, I would never actually want to meet because he's like my idol. 
I never actually want to meet Chuck Palahniuk because I think, first of all, I would just like be a mush of like mumbling just gaga-ness for him. (laughs) And then it's just like, I I don't think so. I just I love him to death. (laughs) He's my idol as a writer, but I don't think I ever want to actually meet him in person. Hmm. I'm glad to hear you say that that uh, book on writing is good because I've been uh, considering pulling the trigger on that. And I I I think I will. Yeah, it's def- it has like really interesting tips that you wouldn't find in other books. It's not just like mechanics of writing, but just from his mm-hmm. personal perspective, how he got to where he is. So that's really cool. Hmm. Um, now, on to the fun part of what are you reading? Or do you want to recommend any books that you have read recently? Oh, my goodness. I've been reading a lot recently, actually. I'm reading Devil's Creek right now. Mm. Which I'm kind of slow on the game for that one. It's been taking me like a while to start it. But how far uh, are you in? I am just a part two, so I just got through kind of the intro and everything, and it's already really creeping me out. <laughs> so I'm really excited about that one. <laughs> it gets better. Oh, I have no doubt. The, the end is so fucking crazy. Oh, fantastic! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just read the Europia. Ascent, which is a kind of a science fiction horror creature feature set on the moon of Jupiter, which was a self-published book, which was pretty cool. Tiny, tiny font, but cool concept of a book. Please, 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 please don't make tiny, tiny font people. That's my (laughs) PSA to everybody. No tiny. tiny. Do you have to squint? I did. It took me three times just to like get into reading the book because I was so angry at the little tiny words. But uh, once I like was like, I just got to fucking read this book. Like then I sat down and did it and it was great. Fire is shooting out of her eyes as we speak. <laughs> Don't do tiny print. Um, yeah, so I did that one and that one was good once I got past it. I read This Is Not a Ghost Story, which was pretty good. That's making the rounds in the arc world and on NetGalley. Um, and yeah, so those are those are what I've been reading lately. So, so good stuff. Nice. How about how about you, Cassie? Um, so I actually so I finished Food Fright today, and then <clears throat> I'm reading Whisper of Death by Christopher Pike because we're recording an episode of the Pike Cast tomorrow for that one. And so I'm a last minute kind of girl, so <laughs> here I am with my book. Um, and then I'm actually I got in addition to yours, Nico, I got uh, Kirby Kellogg's Trampled Crown from the Rewinder Die series. Mm-hmm. So I got that one for my birthday as well. Um, and then that one's, I'm going to be reading that one right after Whisper of Death. And then also I'm buddy reading The Stand with Becca and just some people on, like Rich and some people on Twitter and Instagram and stuff. So I've never read it before and it's a big boy. So we'll see. <laughs> are you reading the, are you reading the uncut version? It, my book says the complete and uncut edition. Yeah. yeah. So is that, is that a big thing? Is that a big difference? It's uh four, I think it's 400 more. Uh, words, right? I think you're right. Uh, it's, no, pages. <laughs> I mean, pages. Words I can do pages. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Big difference. It's an entire page and a half longer. <laughs> yeah, oh those, those 400 words, he's like. Oh, yeah. 400 so pages. Open. That's bonkers. Right? Like, so it's over 1,100 pages I just looked at. What? I, read, I know. So Too I read long. it in a week, and that one's like 1,100 Ooh. also. And so I did that not this year, but last January. So. I have faith in myself. <laughs> I also have a history of overestimating my abilities, so we're gonna see. Uh, the stand's a good, just like super quick. I won't spoil it. It's I like it. It's a good book. I didn't love the ending. Uh, King is like hit or miss. It's a sucky ending. Or it's a really good ending. 
I didn't like it. But what about you, Brennan or Nico? If you've read it, yeah. Okay, Brennan, what about you? I I can see your problem with it. I I don't think it's the uh the biggest swing and a miss he ever took on an ending. Um, I think that one belongs to Under the Dome. Um, <laughs> but uh, I I could definitely see the issues with it. Or it. But uh, th- hey, that's that's w- that's a great job of disparaging her from you know telling her the ending's bad when she's about to like <laughs> spend the next like six weeks of her life. Uh, it's <laughs> only eleven hundred words, and so, I'm just gonna. <laughs> it's a really good book, though. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to discourage you. I didn't even think of that. I should probably thought of that before I said anything. The ending sucks, but hey, at least it's long. <laughs> <laughs> that should be the tagline. <laughs> oh God, I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> Stephen King's tagline. Yeah. Uh, it's not the worst. It's it's one of those things for me. I'm like, if I was a writer, I wouldn't have written it that bad. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah, you're really right. selling it. You're doing a great no, job. It no, is a good. It. it has some really neat stuff in it. Brennan, just uh, why don't you say what you're reading right now? Just don't let Pat <laughs> criticize it, though, or tell you about the ending. <laughs> well, I, so I, I always try and stay ahead of him so that that won't happen. But um, I actually I'm, I'm reading The Invention of Sound. Um, I'm probably almost halfway through that. Um, I am also reading and enjoying the absolute hell out of uh, Tim Wagoner's um, writing, writing in the dark. Um, and it is just packed full. Like every every chapter is I found something uh, useful in it. Um, and I like that he, he, he gives like a lot of exercises, a lot of anecdotes, a lot of um, try this, try that, try the other thing. Um, re- really excellent. Um, and I am about to start, um, I am about to start Mojo Rising by Bob Pastorella. Ooh, that looks cool. Cover. Yeah. 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 Unfortunately, Cassie, it has kind of a boring, um, uh, spine color. So as much Mm -hmm. as the cover is very interesting, it wouldn't add much, as much to your bookshelf as, you know, some other titles. That's okay. That's what that's what the non-color organized sections are for. Everything there you else. Go. <laughs> Patrick, how about you? Uh, I'm reading Slash by Hunter Shea. Um, I'm 70 pages in. I like it. It's really neat. It is basically just the psychological effects that uh, happens to the loved ones of a slasher. It's Something that I never really read before. Not in this much detail. I like it. It's really cool. Uh, I'm like one third of the way through, I think. So, yeah, I like it. Uh, We'll talk to Hunter later this month. I think I got an arc of that one and I read it before it came out. I liked it. Hmm. I think, from what I remember, it was like a unique twist on the slasher without giving anything away. I think you have to do that, too. I, I, yeah. I think your your straightforward slasher in book form is not overly successful just because it's so dependent on, you know, the, the the cinematic version is so dependent on the visuals that it just doesn't translate to um, a literary version uh, unless you put something really interesting like Slash or like um, uh, like like Standalone by Paul Michael Anderson. The Mannequin uh, by Stephen Graham Jones is really good too. Yeah, like the the slasher situation. N- the Night of the Mannequins is the that Night the one? Night of the Mannequins. Yeah. Yes, that was an awesome, awesome I book. I love that. Book. Don't That's tell me right. what happens though, but I'm excited because I think I'm going to be reading that one after the stack I told you all about. 
the, uh, that, are they? Can you uh, tell me? So, is it there are mannequins though? Is that just a play on the title, or is that in the book? I mean, do you, you can't I, say without uh, spoiling. <laughs> no, is that is that a spoiler telling me about that? Okay, never mind. It's fine. It's fine. I couldn't. I can't tell, and I don't. Want I, to I don't know that much, it's a spoiler, so but I mean, eat. it's not a super artsy title that doesn't make sense. If that okay. answers your All right, question, that's right. that, does, that does. Thank you. That does because because you know sometimes there are titles and they're like, oh, I can kind of see maybe the maybe the people were very wooden. You know, like you don't know. It could have been something. Like a so, metaphor. It's not. Yeah. A like okay. No. It's that's Stephen Graham Jones, so I mean I'm that's that's a fair question. Um, you should also know that despite the title, Night of the Mannequins, portions of the story do happen during the day as well. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yes. I deserve that one. Thank you. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> yep. Nico, is there anything else that you want to talk about or let us all know about before uh, we say night or good day or whatever? Whoever's listening to this in the morning, maybe morning. See you later. <laughs> Uh, no, I don't think so. Thank you so much for having me, guys. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, we had a great time. Um, where can people follow you? You can go on Twitter at Nico Bell Fiction or Instagram at Nico Bell Fiction or check out my website at NicoBellFiction.com. Nico <laughs> I fucked that up. I'm so sorry. I thought we were working together. Wow. No. No, we're not. <laughs> Ina, I'm, I'm on your website right now. Look, I... I Let's uh, record a new episode tomorrow. <laughs> Pretend I didn't talk at all. I'm not talking in the uh, next recording of our episode. It's just going to be Brennan and me, and we're just going to interview Nico. <laughs> just going to watch and listen. You know what, though, man? I mean, the, the, the entire reasoning behind this and uh, is because usually it's just, you know, me being kind of a dickhead, and now you've got, you know, Cassie's taking shots. Um <laughs> hidden behind her anonymous blue screen and <laughs> it really didn't take long for nico to get in on the action as well <laughs> all right you know what you're all a bunch of dicks later <laughs> brennan thank you for joining me as always captain dick uh nico thank you for not being a dick that much I mean, you are a lovely guest. Thank you, thank you. Cassie, I regret having you on as a guest host. <laughs> in a dick. <laughs> you are Seriously, welcome. though, I really appreciate you coming on with us again. Third time for you. It has been very fun. We hope that you are, and actually, the next time you're on, we'll be with Haley Viper for uh, her off-limit press book and that'll be really fun to dig into nico we would love to have you back uh, when you get that next novella ready to go out you can come back to us you can talk about it we can ridicule pat or we can just be genuinely good to each other whatever however the mood strikes that night okay thanks for having me i appreciate it thank you it was really fun we are in your mind we are all around you are now leaving Deadhead space. Um, Nico, it was a pleasure talking to you, and we would love to have you on with your next book or possibly with your anthology, depending on how all that works out. Depending on how that works out. Okay. Why do you have to word things? Nope. <laughs> Why are you the way you are? <laughs> you guys would let me back. Okay, got it. Oh, I will earn. Oh, That's like, how can I word this the worst way possible? I'm going to go for it. Take us out without offending anyone. Well, thank you. Yes, I would love to come back whenever. <laughs> thank you. <laughs>
Take away. Let's say <laughs> but if, if you're not gonna be a no, dick. I know and... what she meant to say. I know what you. Meant to say. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking men are all the same. I know, right? Thank you. <laughs> why are men? <laughs> all right, Brendan, why don't you log us out? No.